The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Due to the nature of this case, let me remind you not to discuss it with anyone, not even family. We can't afford to have word leak out and cause a panic. Let me turn this over to Agent Fallon. Thank you, Captain. All right, folks, here's what we know. Amir Lobby built a bomb in storage unit C-412. It's a dirty bomb designed to explode and disperse a highly radioactive Cobalt-60. That bomb is missing. I called Jenny to tell her I'd be late. I tried to get her to go visit her mom. Yeah, I did the same thing with Lainey. Didn't work. She hates her mom. Interview facility employees. Check surveillance video. You know the drill. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, July 21st, 2022. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be The city of New York has issued public service announcements on how to survive after a nuclear event. There's been a lot of reaction to them, but too many are too quick to dismiss the PSAs as some kind of unjustifiable fear-mongering, while others, rightfully alarmed, still haven't really absorbed the full significance of a nuclear crisis in the midst of the Great Reset Agenda. And to that end, we shall attempt to offer our own new and clear view of the announcements and their significance. And it all begins right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and archive broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. So there's been a nuclear attack. Don't ask me how or why, just know that the big one has hit, okay? So, what do we do? There are three important steps that I want you to remember. Step one, get inside fast. You, your friends, your family, get inside. And no, staying in the car is not an option. You need to get into a building and move away from the windows. Step two, stay inside. Shut all doors and windows. Have a basement? Head there. If you don't have one, get as far into the middle of the building as possible. If you were outside after the blast, get clean immediately. Remove and bag all outer clothing to keep radioactive dust or ash away from your body. Step three, stay tuned. Follow media for more information. Don't forget to sign up for Notify NYC for official alerts and updates. And don't go outside until officials say it's safe. All right, you've got this. Yeah, I've got this all right. That was literally an official 
public service announcement put out by the City of New York over the past few weeks. The first two thoughts that came to my mind immediately after hearing this were, one, it sounds like Donald Trump is going to announce his candidacy for U.S. president in the next election, and two, and this is the alarming one, the deep state is actually planning to set off a nuclear device in New York for the same reasons it brought down the Twin Towers on 9-11, to justify a war with a foreign nation. They've done it before, and I don't think they would blink twice to do it again. As we've been learning over and over on our past several broadcasts, it's an agenda and strategy that has been repeated over and over and over and over again for as long as most people today have been living and even long before that. And sure enough, though he hasn't yet announced officially, Trump did let it be known that he has every intention to make that announcement at a time of his own choosing. My guess is that he has to take into consideration the fact that after he makes it official, he will immediately have numerous electoral rule restrictions placed on him. Too many to even want to contemplate. And I'm sure there are a few other strategic political implications to take into account as well. Not the least of which are the midterms. But the really great concern, which I think too many people are taking far too lightly or dismissing entirely, is what was just told to them in this public service announcement that has been produced as if the city of New York gave a damn about its citizens. And we know that this is not so. Now the advice being offered in that public service announcement is what to do after a nuclear weapon has been detonated. Not before or during. And speaking from my own experience and having researched how to survive a nuclear attack way back in 1983 and 84, I can reasonably say that steps one and two that were outlined in the PSA are good advice and are actually based on the correct science as I've understood it, and I'll come back to this later in the show. But the rest of the PSA is propaganda. So there's been a nuclear attack. Don't ask how or why, just know that the big one has hit, okay? <laughs> wow, that's a big expectation. Well, I am asking how or why. I don't recall PSAs like this being broadcast last year, or the year before that, or like, not even since the Cuban Missile Crisis. And we all had a better understanding of how or why way back then, even though it was, still wasn't complete. But on this show, we've been talking about how or why for years on end, and the people one would consider having the responsibility and obligation to tell us how or why, either the government or military, are not answering those questions. And if you happen to survive a nuclear attack, and yes, most people will, and that's one of the big myths out there that you'll never survive a nuclear attack, well then you better understand how and why it happened or things will just go from bad to worse, if you even con consider that that's possible. In their step three, they say, stay tuned, follow media for more information. Don't forget to sign up for Notify NYC for official alerts and updates. And don't go outside until officials say it's safe. Wow. Follow the media? The fake news media? Are they fake and kidding? Now consider this advice in light of what our officials have been telling us about, oh, COVID, climate, gender, elections, Ukraine, and all of their past phony wars. 
things that we've been uncovering over the past several episodes of this show. And basically, their nuclear warning PSA message is the same as their COVID one. Stay inside and never come out until we tell you to. Lock down and even more. Martial law. You know, I remember when I was a kid in elementary school during the time of the Cuban Missile Crisis, and the official advice for what we should do as kids in case of a nuclear attack while we're at school was to hide under our desks. Such was the ignorance and stupidity on a nuclear scale. So don't expect anything different from today's officials. But most importantly, what I think this PSA announcement is really all about is making it clear that New York will suffer a nuclear event and that the very officials who are ultimately behind producing the PSA itself are the people who will set off the nuclear device. And from the sounds of things, it may well be a quote-unquote dirty small nuclear weapon set off at ground level, given some of what I've been hearing in the talk around this and the talk about the radioactive dust and ash within that PSA itself. I'll explain more after we give a listen to what's up next, beginning with the following conversation taken from Alex Jones' emergency Saturday broadcast of this past weekend. Adam Schiff, the Democrats, introduced bill for no financial or political military oversight, operational oversight of the military. I mean, that's just a staggering bill to be introduced as if Congress in a bill could give up its oversight that's in the Constitution. That's military dictatorship they're setting up. Tucker Carlson covered it last night. Right now, let's just go ahead and get to the first caller here. They're using the cover of nuclear war as the pretext to put the emergency system in or to activate the emergency system. Matt's in Massachusetts, says he has friends, the National Guard, New York, preparing for nukes. Give us your uh, in- information. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on, Alex, and thank you for everything you do. Um, so I'm in Massachusetts, and I have a lot of friends in the National Guard. Uh, one of them's an E-8, actually a couple of them are, are E-7s. And uh, one of them called his wife, who are good friends with the family, and told us, you know, he's, he was sent out to training two weeks ago. He was only supposed to be there for a week. So we get, he, his wife gets a phone call, and he's telling her, hey, listen, I'm going to be out here longer. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here, but there's something i got to tell you. And she says, what? And he says, listen, they have us doing a lot of weird stuff. He said, I've been out here training at night, and for the last week we've been doing night training. And he said, basically, quote, unquote, training. They have us loading live ordnance into the back of trucks under the complete cover of darkness. They're not allowed to use any flashlights the buildings where they're getting the ordinance from are not allowed to have lights on. The trucks are not allowed to have lights on. And they're only allowed to use NODS, which is uh, the acronym for night vision for the military. And he tells his wife, he said, hey, listen, you got to tell our friends, and I want you to do this. You need to go get extra batteries, and you need to fill up the gas cans for the generator and go get more gas cans. He said there's a lot of rumors floating around. I don't know what's going to happen. So on top of that, a week ago, New York released a public service announcement where they had a thing on TV telling people what to do in the event of a nuclear explosion. Now, I have other friends in there, so I wanted to confirm this, so I asked, I asked one of my other buddies to, to give a call and ask what's going on. I said, hey, are you in training? And he said, yeah, <laughs> I'm in training. I'm in New York. And I said, I'm like, what? you're in New York? Okay. 
So he said, I'm only supposed to be here for two weeks, and now they're telling us that they don't know how long we're going to be here. And I was like, really? And um, and that's what they do I'm in like, a war. They deploy the troops, first to go, last to know. Yes, yep. And he said the same exact thing, that they're doing a lot of training at night. I asked him, I said, are you training at night with live ordnance? And there was about an hour pause before a message came back. And he said, how the bleep do you know that? And he doesn't know I'm talking to the other one. And he said, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Nuclear war drills, and you have introduced legislation that the military can operate domestically in the U.S. without congressional oversight. If that isn't treason, I don't know what is. For those that don't know, in the Constitution, it is bedrock law that the military is under the control, funding-wise, of Congress and the president. And they're saying the military will operate on its own, make a law where they're their own new branch of government. I mean, it, it's it, and it, that means the globalist top people. Everybody keeps looking for the military to come save you. The rank-and-file military are, on average, the best people in the world. Most of my family are veterans. My ancestors, they were all, I mean, just incredible men. And they taught me everything about the New World Order. And they told me the military was controlled in the 70s and 80s. And I had family in the U.S. Army that went around killing people in the United States on assassination squads. Let's just get that straight. So I know what I'm talking about. And they didn't like what they were doing then. Killing people extrajudicially. So the U.S. government's been out of control for a long, long time and now is completely and totally out of control and run by globalists. They were killing mafia people and gangbangers and communists without even a death warrant 30, 40 years ago in this country. And, and people then were like, this could be used against us someday. Guess what? It is now. And so you need to understand that and really let that burn in, ladies and gentlemen. Matt, go ahead and finish up with what you said your uh, friends were telling you about the creepy drills they're doing. Yeah, so um, they're load, I guess the most creepy thing he was saying is that they're loading truck after truck with live ordnance under the complete cover of darkness. Um, and he's, he told me that in his 15 years of service, he's never done any type of training like this. And they've never sent them to New York to do this. Usually when the, the Massachusetts National Guard does their training, they go down to the Bourne base, which is on the Cape, or they go to uh, Fort Devens. Um, so they're over in New York doing this. Now, I don't know if you covered this, but the same week that they're there training, New York Television released a public service announcement. It was a video, and it freaked a bunch of people out to the point where the governor had to respond to it, telling people what to do in the event of a nuclear explosion. Um, so <clears throat> it just seems to me like uh, things things are really getting serious over here enough where people that are 15, 20 years in are freaked out by what's going on and calling their wives, telling them to go buy extra batteries, go get extra food, go fill up the gas cans for the generator, tell our friends to do this. We don't know what's going to happen, but I guess there's a lot of rumors going around. And when she asked what are the rumors going around, he told her, I really can't say anything on the phone and I shouldn't even have said this to you on the phone. So I just want people to know if you have friends in the Guard or you're in the Guard, you should be paying attention to what you're doing for training because I'm pretty sure you're going to be doing this kind of stuff. And I, I I hate to say it, but I really think something's going to happen in New York, and that's why they're over there, and that's why they're being told well, they don't uh, know how uh, long uh, they're going to be over there. Uh, God bless you. I appreciate your call. I mean, I'll tell you what is in the cards, not just stage mass shootings, not just bombings to be blamed on Trump supporters.
and InfoWarriors. You already see that. But a nuclear false flag to be blamed on Russia, and then we go into martial law forever. That's why I, have a, I, don't, I, have a, I don't have a fatalistic feeling. I have a really sad feeling. Compared to a nuke, a dirty bomb is a fairly crude device. It's designed to instill fear in the populace. The majority of the immediate damage is going to come from the conventional explosion, creating a kill zone. Like Oklahoma City. Except for it's not just a building that falls, it spreads radiation for several blocks. That's your secondary kill zone. If left untreated, people can die from radiation poisoning in less than a week. But what makes this such an effective terror weapon is the outer zone. On this area, everybody seems fine at first. Then the cancers start showing up. Babies, kids, adults. And with every new case that's reported, people flock to the emergency rooms, overwhelm the system. It's like we're being attacked all over again. Well, it sounds like a plan, doesn't it? A nuclear plandemic. In fact, everything just said about the long-range possible effects of radiation and fallout are literally a mirror image of what is being said about the future fallout of vaccination victims. A plan, quote, designed to instill fear in the populace. A plan where, quote, emergency rooms get overwhelmed like we're being attacked all over again, end quote. Now, in our show opener today, you might have noticed that the objective of the police was to prevent any panic, whereas today the objective of our officials is precisely the opposite. Now, why is it that the first thing demanded in that New York PSA is for the public not to ask any questions? Huh, that's the same philosophy that world politicians have been applying to everything COVID and everything climate change. Don't ask questions, trust the experts, trust the media, trust the officials. And how is it that the city of New York, and not the federal government, should be issuing bomb alerts in what's supposed to be an international conflict? Isn't this between nations? Why not issue similar PSAs for Chicago, Miami, Los Angeles, etc.? What does the city of New York know that the rest of the country does not? And what do I know that most people would not, about nuclear weapons and survival. Well, it's because of what I know, and not just about that, but about current events, that I immediately took New York's PSA announcement very seriously indeed. Now, back in 1983, Mark Emery published a local newspaper in the city of London, Ontario, called the London Metro Bulletin, a journal of events and opinions. I was both a contributor to and editor of that publication, and only four issues were ever published before Mark and I went on to higher political callings. But upon recently reviewing the subjects and reports we featured in those few issues, I have to tell you, I can only suggest that we were, how can I put it, the Alex Jones of our day and locality. The things we talked about, everything from the military-industrial complex on down, it was all in there, the same kind of things we're hearing talked about today. Now, this was a time, 1983, when everybody was terrified that the then-still-existing Soviet Union would be the aggressor in a nuclear exchange with the West, and there was a lot of misinformation and nonsense being circulated about that threat and its ultimate dangers. <laughs> Go figure. 
So, in the autumn of 1983, we published a 48-page, 50-cent-per-copy, no-advertising issue of the Metro Bulletin with 32 of those pages dedicated to what we called the Special Doomsday Survival Supplement. And the information that was conveyed in that publication was all based on the most recent and reliably objective research and data available to the public at that time. We included an appendix with recommended and not recommended reading on the subject, and we also included a glossary of terms and instructions pertaining from everything from uh, survival tactics to how to make a Kearney fallout meter. We based our nuclear scenario on the notion of a worst-case situation where a 2-megaton nuclear weapon is detonated via an airburst over the city of London, Ontario. And I know I've covered some of that on past episodes of this show. And although the specifics of that scenario were not expected to occur, it was used as a means to demonstrate the principles involved in what happens during and after a nuclear event in a way that our local readers might relate to. And here are but a few of those principles that you should know about, if for no other reason than to be able to distinguish the truth and facts from some of the BS you're likely to be told about nuclear dangers and risks. And I quote from page 11 of that nuclear supplement. Nuclear war will not strike like a bolt from the blue, nor will it be over in 30 to 60 minutes. It could very well be a long war, with long-term planning necessary, and yet it won't be a sudden war. The signs will be in the offing, weeks prior to any nuclear exchange. Will nuclear war break out? If I knew for sure, I'd be in the dried food business. (laughs) One thing is certain. Nuclear weapons will be the weapons for the next 50 years, and a large-scale war is extremely likely in that time. Despite any myths you may have heard, Any place not directly hit within a 10-mile radius will be habitable, but treacherous, excluding any area within fallout danger 40 miles downrange of a surface burst. There are many serious obstacles one would have to overcome over the next five years, and many just won't be up to it. This advice is not for them. Where should you be? Ideally, you want to have a retreat where there won't be any blast, heat, thermal flash, or radioactive fallout. You have to coordinate this with relatives you might have in these areas whose basement would be suitable as nuclear survival shelters for one month. If you don't have relatives out there in the boonies, perhaps you'd like to consider buying a cottage or homestead with a concrete basement in it. However, if you have a retreat that is in line of moderate or light fallout, you'll emerge after one month in your shelter unscathed and unharmed. For determination of fallout, you need to know the wind patterns of the troposphere, the area 8 to 12 miles above ground level. These winds are much different from the winds down here on Earth. Fallout is a very complex problem, but one that has been exaggerated by various hysterical anti-nuclear spokespeople. When a nuclear explosion occurs at ground level, at the surface burst, or within a thousand feet above the ground, the fireball picks up millions of tons of smashed earth, concrete, human ash, debris caused by blast and flash, and raises it into the rising gases of the fireball. These debris particles become covered with molten droplets of radioactive material. When the explosion finally cools out, This radioactive debris is taken down to earth by gravity and winds. Fallout 
is radioactive dirt. It is not poisonous like nerve gas. Life-threatening fallout consists of particles large enough to see in the air around you, although smaller particles accompany the larger ones, between 1 to 24 hours after a ground burst detonation. The radiation given off by fallout takes three forms, alpha, beta, and gamma rays. Alpha is harmless on unbroken skin. It is dangerous on third-degree burns, but that won't be a worry to anyone burned by the flash. Beta rays cause superficial burns if the particle actually comes in contact with the skin for several hours. If fresh particles are on your open skin, a superficial burn will be the least of your worries. That's because the deadly part is the gamma rays. Air bursts, however, produce little or no fallout. Nagasaki and Hiroshima, for example, had no fallout casualties downrange of Hiroshima. End quote. Now you might understand why I took the city of New York's PSA announcement seriously. As soon as I heard them say, which some regarded as ridiculous, that if you're outside after the blast, get clean immediately, remove and bag all your outer clothing to keep radioactive dust or ash away. I mean, some people were laughing at that advice as if it were nonsensical, which it is not. Because people think of this radiation thing as though it were some kind of poison in the air. It's not what it is. It's just the dust. And the reason that I suspected a ground-exploded nuclear device, as just described, is for the very factors that are associated with it. An air blast would devastate the city and pretty much topple every building. But the goal of the globalists is fear and control. (sighs) Joel in California, and then Angel. Joel, you're on the air. I wanted to speak on the, the, the bill that they're proposing, and it makes sense because, um, you know, they're terrified of midterm elections. Um, you know, they can only cheat so much, and because of... And I should introduce you, you're a U.S. Army combat vet giving your take on the Democrats trying to hand dictatorial power to the military. I mean, how is that not a big story? It's, 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 talk about canary in the coal mine, man. This is the parrot in the coal mine. This is gigantic. You know, you know, they're scared of midterms. They really are, and they've, they've cheated so much. But because, thank the Lord for Dinesh D'Souza and 2,000 mules, you know, he showed half this country that, you know, that we were right. We're not crazy. And, you know, they're terrified of it. And I think Trump's holding off on announcing because I think he's trying to be strategic about it because they're, I think they're trying to destroy this country as fast as they can. Because if he's declared early, and Roger agrees, he's told Trump that, and Trump said, well, I may do it July 4th. Now he, he announced, obviously, today. So, I mean, he needs to come out against them, and, and, and it's a new world order and a great reset, and he needs to basically follow what I'm saying and what Tucker Carlson's saying. He needs to do it now. We don't have time. By the way, they're now saying the Iranians are going to kill him. No, they're going to kill Trump. Trump better announce now. If Trump gets back in. You know, Hunter Biden's going exactly. to Exactly. They know we're winning, which is why they're going to make their move now. And that's why everything is so critical. God bless you. And I appreciate your call. Mike is in Colorado. He's an immigrant from Poland. Well, that's a good thing to do to open the phones up to immigrants to talk about what they left and what they see happening here. There's some of the most powerful testimonies. Mike, uh, you want to comment on, quote, the USA going bad? That's a good way to put it. Going bad. Mike, give us your take. Going back to where I came from, I was a teenager. I'm in my late 50s now. Um, I was in the in my late teens when everything transpired in Poland with uh, Lech Wałęsa and uh, the Solidarity Movement. And 
you're talking about martial law, and this feels like right before it right now. They had show trials, just like we have the January 6th. Uh, you know, the, all the people who were striking in the shipyards, they were, they were on TV and nonstop bashing of, of, uh, of them. Um, the uh, kind of the follow-up on the previous caller, uh, all kinds of rumors going around that, you know, the military is getting ready to go and, you know, they're getting the tanks filled up with fuel. Uh, and then, of course, you know, a few weeks later, this was in uh, December of 1981, they rolled out the tanks and just started going through the streets and shutting everything down. Um, then also you had your uh, coupons issued. So, like, say you wanted a tank of gas, you only had one tank of gas a month. Uh, you could only have, a, like, a kilo of meat a kilo of sugar. Uh, there were restrictions on how much coal you could have. And of course, at that time, uh, they, everybody had coal burning fireplaces uh, or you know furnaces. Um, and um, so you only had so much. So your house was always cold because it was, you know, just a very little amount. And they now they're announcing everybody's going to be cold or not have air conditioning. It's all the same plan. Yeah, it's, it's surreal. I mean, I we, my family escaped it and, you know, my parents and listening to my dad is like listening to you, Alex, and it, it's unreal. You know, I, I grew up with, with that sort of view and always the nonstop fighting. And, you know, for the longest time, it was like, oh, we're in America. It's free. Everything is great. And now it's like, what the hell is going on? We're this is like what we lived through already. Why is this story repeating itself? What, what's going on here? I don't know what the average American is going to do when they lose everything. It, it, I'm, I'm it's just so sad. What I want to get off my chest is how sad I am that we're in a war. We are in a real war. And I'm so frustrated, frustrated that so many people have been trying to warn about this war for many years, just so many years, and it fell on deaf ears. And it's honestly, it's very difficult to listen to it still going on. And, and to feel torn between Real life is going on and has to go on. Joy has to continue. People have to continue having babies and raising families and having puppies and making beautiful gardens and building careers and building businesses and cleaning the parks and boating and flying kites. All of that has to go on. It has to go on. That's what... This is all about. This is why everybody was warning for so long that this was coming. Because all of that stuff that I just said is under threat. And it feels like it's crunch time. It feels like D-Day. It feels like the artillery is flying as fast and as fierce and we're losing people as fast as we would on the beaches of Normandy. It feels like that. And I'm very sad about it sometimes. It's just sad, you know.
because a lot of times it comes out as fighting spirit, fighting spirit. It comes out as uncovering it, feeling like we're racing towards uh, progress in, in terms of exposing who our enemies are and how we can fight it. That's how it feels most of the time. But other times, like now, it just sort of settles down. And the fighting will continue. You know that? Nobody's going to give up. Nobody that's out there right now, I don't think, is going to give up this fight because we understand what it means. But it's also so unbearably sad to see the casualties, to see the destruction, the destruction of the world that we knew and that we thought would last forever. I guess that was foolish. <laughs> it's, I guess, the bad part of taking so long to grow up in the West because Every generation then takes 30, 40, 50, 60 years to see the longer arcs of history. Way back at the beginning of lockdown, I was at Loblaw's deli counter. And it's funny because that became a battleground for me. But this was before it became a battleground. The ladies who had always worked at the deli counter were there. It was at the very beginning of lockdown and one of them said to me, it would be easier if they would just drop bombs on us. Like she knew, she saw right there. She knew and she was so right. It would have been easier. And isn't it funny that she said, if they would just drop bombs on who was she referring to? She knew we had an enemy. She knew this wasn't normal. This wasn't right. This was us being attacked. Some people knew right off the bat, but they replaced that lady with the people I subsequently did battle with. And so I'm sad because I don't want this world for my child or your child or their children. I don't want them born into slavery. Please pray. Please be brave anywhere you can, anytime you can, because we have to win this. We can't let ourselves get broken by the losses all around us. We can't. Sorry for sniffing. Very rude. All right. I'm going to stop talking now. You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And yep, that's a pretty tough act to follow. But follow it we will because we must. That, of course, was the amazing Polly. And I and many others can fully relate to her frustration. 
quote, that so many people have been trying to warn us about this war for so many years and it fell upon deaf ears and that it's still going on, end quote. Well, what's truly remarkable and eye-opening is how so many people still haven't got a clue, not a clue, about what's happening in the world around them and even in their own neighborhoods. They blindly line up for their vaccinations, which aren't vaccinations. They continue to wear bacteria-infested face masks outdoors on the hottest summer days I've seen them. And they use their own ignorance and stupidity as their badge of honor, expressed through virtue signaling as their authority to rule over others. And those others, of course, are those who know and understand what's going on. In fact, that's the very phenomenon that was addressed on page 2 of our 1983 nuclear supplement. And I quote, 99% will read this and do nothing. Even then, you'll be better prepared because the knowledge you can do something will prove invaluable later on. A lot of you will say, well, it would never happen because they think nuclear war is too terrible. Or you'll say, civilization would be doomed anyway, so why survive? Or, all of us will die in a total nuclear war. And you'd be wrong, 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 but dead. Prepare, and you'll be okay. And likely, you'll prosper. But history shows you won't do that. History is replete with wars, atrocities, natural disasters, riots, etc., in which scientific or otherwise reliable evidence abounds, showing that big trouble is ahead, but 99% of folks stick around to die anyway. To those people, happy doomsday. To those of you who put some stock in survival, life, and a happy future, keep reading. It is real. Nuclear weapons are the harnessing of power like you cannot imagine. The standard warhead for the over 9,000 intercontinental warheads each of the superpowers possess is a one megaton warhead. One megaton. That's the explosive equivalent of one million tons of TNT, dynamite. Or think of it this way. To deliver that kind of explosive in conventional terms, you would need 10,000 boxcars totally packed with dynamite. That's a train 52 miles long, and the explosive part of that one megaton warhead is a round sphere only a couple of feet in diameter. End quote. Okay, let's pause here for a moment. Doesn't this description that was written in 1983 sound a lot like what Caller Matt was saying to Alex Jones earlier in the show? Could it be they're planning some kind of false false flag, insofar as they could be setting off a non-nuclear explosion, but make it appear as if a nuke went off. You know, spread around a little radiation, a lot of lies and propaganda, and you can achieve the constant ultimate purpose of the government's objective, to cause fear and panic. You know, hey, I'm just saying, loose speculation or a feasible scenario, you decide. I continue, quote, the horrors of nuclear war are indeed terrible. It need not be exaggerated to demonstrate the awesome danger a nuclear exchange poses. Yet exaggeration and deception abound. To what ultimate purpose, it is hard to say. One sure result, however, is that legitimate self-survival information is never discussed, or worse, the concept is derisively associated with those who advocate a quote-unquote winnable nuclear war. 
It is as though it is sinful to want to live, regardless of the obvious unpredictabilities of government, end quote. Now, does all of this sound vaguely familiar? <laughs> Deception, panic, anti-life, no discussions allowed? This is nothing new, is it? And I continue, quote, The worst part of the disarmament movement, or any general discussion of nuclear weapons, is the doom and gloom, no survivors mentality reinforced in films like If You Love This Planet and books like Dr. Helen Caldicott's Nuclear Madness. This end-of-civilization attitude reinforces to anyone not otherwise knowledgeable that survival is impossible. So why not hope you get killed instantly so you won't suffer any pain? How many times in a conversation on the terrors of nuclear war have you heard someone say, gee, I hope it explodes right over top of me and I'm killed instantly, under some perverted illusion that all those who survive will be disfigured mutants, burned beyond recognition, disease-ridden humanoids, or desperate, savage nomads like the attackers in The Road Warrior? The anti-nuclear types want us to lobby for disarmament, but they are against personal survival if war comes. It is as though our preparations for post-nuclear survival flies in the face of much of what they are saying. And they are right in that observation. Much of the discussion involved in many books and films on nuclear weapons is outright hysteria, end quote. Now, here was the ultimate punchline of our special Doomsday Survival Supplement, again published back in 1983. And on page 23, we ran the headline under civil defense, What is your government doing? Nothing. And in that article, Mark Emery shares the following, quote, Civil defense in this country doesn't exist. You're completely on your own. We asked Regional Director of Emergency Planning Canada, David Francis, during a briefing in Toronto, repeatedly for some details of any program the Canadian government would employ in any nuclear danger. He said he doesn't really have any specific plan of action. And American counterparts in civil defense are most famous for their remark that in order to protect yourself against fallout, all you need to do is, quote, cover yourself with three feet of dirt. It's the dirt that does it, end quote. Mr. Francis had not read much about the problem at all. What the hell does he do with his time? He had nothing else to do the time I was there. His desk was completely empty, and there were no reference books in his office except for one map. And that's it. And he said, and I kid you not, you're a bright young man. You could make quite a contribution to the military on this. You're better informed than I am. Now, isn't that reassuring? End quote. Wow. Yep, that's the way it is out there. And you can see it today, too. Very reassuring, but not in the way intended. What I'm relatively assured of with regards to the nuclear question is that if you listen to this broadcast just to this point, you've probably already learned more about the realities of nuclear war and power than your governments will ever want you to know about. Why? Because they want and need a war to cover their ignorance, incompetence, and outright evil. And whenever there is war, and wherever there is war, and a cause needs to be discovered, well, just as we did last week, it's time again to follow the money. Up next, Greg Reese and Tucker Carlson do just that. 
Bestiari on Twitter wrote that everyone who touches Zelensky resigns, which is interesting. After failing the UK at every opportunity to serve globalist interests, Boris Johnson resigns as prime minister, to which the Russian Kremlin expressed good riddance. Italian Prime Minister Mario Draghi, who helped deliver Italian weapons to Ukraine and rallied support for Ukraine's entry into the EU, announced his resignation. Last month, Estonian Prime Minister Kaja Kallas expelled the populist center-left center party, claiming that she needed to form a new government to support Ukraine in their war against Russia. And on Thursday, Kallas officially resigned as a formality to form a new government, which he has already reached a consensus between the center-right Reform Party, the Social Democrats, and the conservative Fatherland Party to form a new three-party government to support Ukraine. And Sri Lanka's president, Godabaya Rajapaksa, who supported the Ukraine despite sanctions crippling his own nation, emailed in his resignation after fleeing the country. Beyond resignations and beyond meet and greets with Ukraine's puppet president Zelensky, we have also just seen the assassination of popular anti-globalist leader Shinzo Abe and the dramatic loss of confidence expressed by the people towards Macron, Trudeau, and Biden. What is happening here? On Celia Farber's The Truth Barrier, Catherine Austin Fitz explains that we are seeing a clean-out or political castration of leaders. Draghi, Johnson, Biden, Macron, Abe. Their political capital is exhausted and or they will not push the next wave aggressively. Mr. Global is looking to bring in a whole new round of fresh, meaner leadership. The next wave is total collapse. And it's not easy to find people willing to be the fall guy for the destruction of a nation. It takes a special type of person, which might explain why California Governor Gavin Newsom visited the White House right after Joe Biden was shuffled off to Israel to mumble about the Holocaust. Biden is even unsettling to the stupid, and this entire operation requires stupidity. So things are going to keep getting stranger, but it probably won't last much longer because the global financial reset is now imminent. Sri Lanka was just the beginning, and it looks like South Africa could be next, followed by everyone. The fiat fractional reserve banking scheme has been robbing the people blind for decades, but eventually all the money runs out, and the financial pundits are all saying it's this year. The dollar has just reached parity with the euro, and fudging the numbers will no longer work. They have only one solution left, and that's war. War has often been used to save failing fiat currencies, and having no other options, the psychotic bureaucrats in charge will go to war with Russia, which will only hasten the financial collapse of the West. If it comes to World War III, then it will be the final death blow, making way for a new system. Which means that unless you're holding on to real money, you will soon be broke because all that paper in our wallets 
and numbers on our screens is going to soon be worthless. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. The American economy is in serious trouble. It's heading south faster than anyone anticipated. But instead, you flip on CNBC and the geniuses are talking about World War III, and they're not the only ones. So if you want to know how big this has become, how ominous this is in the absence of attention from the rest of us, we've kind of sleptwalked up to this point, you should see this. This is from the city of New York, our largest city. This is a public service announcement reminding the 8 million residents of New York they could soon be nuked. So there's been a nuclear attack. Don't ask me how or why, just know that the big one has hit, okay? So what do we do? Step one, get inside fast. You, your friends, your family, get inside. Stay inside. Shut all doors and windows. Have a basement? Head there. If you were outside after the blast, get clean immediately. Remove and bag all outer clothing to keep radioactive dust or ash away from your body. What? Now, if you were drinking beer and that came on TV, you'd think maybe she was giving you advice on what to do if your basement floods or if there's a heat wave. Then you get the part where she says radioactive dust and you snap to a t radioactive dust. You're suggesting that someone might lob a nuclear weapon into our largest city? What? Why the chirpy tone? What the hell are you talking about? How do we get so close to nuclear war that the city of New York is telling me to wash the radioactive dust off my pants? This is total lunacy. This is crazy. Why are we doing this? Because Putin's bad and he's going to take over Belgium? Because nobody has said anything. And because the Republican Party has collaborated with the nutcases in the Biden administration, we have reached the point where some chirpy lady on TV is telling you to prepare for the deaths of tens of millions of Americans. Wake up. As if I could possibly sleep through any of this. And yet that's exactly the state of consciousness most people are in. So when it comes to what real money actually is and why, I was pleased to have received from Harry Binswanger of the Objectivist Forum a 2013 column he forwarded to my attention this past May entitled In Praise of Gold, and which went far beyond the usual reasons that economists and financiers might praise gold for. And I thought this might be a lighter note on which to end our wartime broadcast. And I quote, Keynes sneered at it. Preachers damn it. Bitcoin dreams of transcending it. But free men inevitably choose it. Gold. Whenever men have had a free, uncoerced choice of the medium of exchange, gold has won the competition, along with its sister element, silver. Why? Only in recent times has gold had any utilitarian value. The ancient Egyptians couldn't use it in computers, but they prized it nonetheless, as did the faraway Aztecs and the Chinese. Men in every place and time have valued gold. Why? Of what use is gold? You can't eat it. 
No, and you can't eat a Rembrandt either. A Chopin ballad is not something you can eat, drink, or ride in. It may surprise the spiritualists who damn gold to hear this, but gold, like music and painting, is a spiritual value. Gold is a value because it is radiantly beautiful. It is the aesthetic pleasure gold brings that makes men esteem it. Other of gold's inherent attributes fit it to be the money commodity. But let's pause to answer the great unanswered question. What is beauty? Beauty is intelligibility, a sensory level version of intellectual intelligibility. What looks beautiful or sounds beautiful is what features an intelligible pattern formed out of pure, simple elements. Why the pleasure in pattern recognition? Men's lives depend upon their minds. The essential mental work that is required is integration, finding the one in the many, the theme behind the variations, the principle behind the concrete. But transforming a bewildering plurality into a clearly understood unity often means going through a difficult, doubt-ridden process. So there is definite delight in the easy, doubt-free microcosm provided by sensory pattern recognition. I'm generalizing here from what Ayn Rand wrote about why music moves us emotionally. Music offers man the singular opportunity to reenact on the adult level the primary process of his method of cognition, the automatic integration of sense data into an intelligible, meaningful entity. To a conceptual consciousness, it is a unique form of rest and reward. Beauty has been called unity in variety. The beautiful is that which features clear elements made into a clear, consistent whole. The clear elements can be pure musical tones, or it can be shining pieces of gold. The pattern is supplied by fashioning musical tones into a melody, or pieces of gold into jewelry, or into gold leaf to make the pattern it coats glisten. Gold nuggets are only the means. The end is a lustrous, intelligible, aesthetic object. The other aspect of gold is its unique purity, purity both in its color and in its incorruptibility. In a world that features decay along with growth, degeneration along with too rare improvement, gold's imperishable, radiant luster offers the experience of purity, of unfailing reliability, and of stainless consistency. Gold remains gold. It does not tarnish or rust. Thus, gold is not a barbarous relic, as Keynes would say, or filthy lucre, the preachers, but an objective aesthetic value, a value rooted in the nature of how our minds work and in the need for incorruptible moral integrity. Why are wedding bands made of gold? Because gold is the symbol of remaining pure and true. Gold jewelry is just as objective a value as utilitarian goods, such as bread or automobiles. But those goods provide value by being consumed, by being used up. You eat bread and it's gone. You drive a car and it wears out. Gold is almost unique in being an unconsumable consumable. Like Aristotle's unmoved mover, gold provides value without being itself affected. The oft-heard sneer, you can't eat gold, expresses a cynical materialism. Both artistic beauty and sensory beauty have their source in the nature of man as a conceptual being, a being who must use concepts and reasoning to survive and prosper. Animals cannot respond to artworks or to the beauty of a brilliant sunset or to the radiant 
patterned purity of gold jewelry. The objection, you can't eat gold, confesses a mind-body dichotomy. In fact, material value requires spiritual value and vice versa. For man, value always involves a spiritual component. Even to value food, a man has to want to live, which takes an inner resolve to fight for his happiness. Gold is the ultimate expression of mind-body integration. It is denigrated as crassly material because it is beautiful, because gold is a spiritual value. You can't eat gold turns things upside down. Gold is extra valuable because you can't use it up. Gold as an unconsumable consumable does not have to be replenished. The gold jewelry of ancient Egypt retains its value, bringing renewed pleasure to museum visitors daily because gold is, like a Rembrandt painting, painting, an object of contemplation. It is used without being used up. All this is why gold has monetary value, because gold is of imperishable objective value. It can serve as a store of value. Because gold is of imperishable objective value, it can serve as a store of value. And given that base, which Bitcoin lacks, gold's other inherent properties make it uniquely suited to serve as a medium of exchange. Unlike salt, gold has a high unit value. Unlike iron, gold does not rust. Unlike diamonds, gold can be easily divided into very small pieces without losing value. Unlike a computer chip, gold is homogeneous. And because it is ductile and malleable, gold can easily be fashioned into jewelry and gold leaf. Salt and cigarettes have served as money, but their value rests upon their ultimately being consumed, which destroys them in the process. Gold can be used as money without ever being used up, without needing to be reproduced. You don't have to eat gold to get objective value from it. Beauty, though not material, is a rational objective value because its sensory beauty provides a spiritual pleasure. Gold has aesthetic value and, as men's free choices demonstrate, monetary value. That is the power and the glory of gold. End quote. Bet you most people weren't expecting a spiritual analysis of gold coming from a philosophy based on reason. <laughs> Too bad we aren't living in a golden age of reason, because as we face a potential nuclear tragedy at our doorsteps, we must never stop planning for a future based on the values that we know lead to freedom and to life itself. Life itself can be golden. And towards that goal... Just right is, and always has been, the new clear vision of the world in which we live and of freedom itself. Something we'll continue to demonstrate when you join us again next week as we continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white, under the bedclothes, everything will be Atomic research? Oui, mon colonel. In a specially built secret laboratory. Where? Dr. Felser didn't give the location. Why didn't you ask him? Very funny. Travail du chapeau, no? I was in danger every minute. Well, how do you split an atom? I mean, you can split almost anything but an atom. Carter. What are they doing fooling around with the atom? They're trying to make a bomb, dummy. <laughs> well, I don't want to have anything to do with it. We got enough bombs already. 
for future use. A rainy day. 